Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Morning, everybody. Beautiful day today. I don't know if you have your phone with you, but you may have checked your Wi-Fi signal. We've been in the middle of this series for a while about being connected. And uh, not to wear you out, we're going to take a new attack this morning as it relates to the strength of your signal. You're familiar with the, the signal strength bar up in the upper corner of your, of your phone. It looks something like that. And... Um, Wi-Fi stands for wireless fidelity, and fidelity is your faithfulness to obligations and duties, and the stronger your connection, the better off you will be, and we've talked about how you are created in God's image, that you're automatically connected in some regard, that uh, he picked you and gave you his name, that your desires should be his desires to be conformed because you've been formed in his image, then you've been deformed by the sin of this world, so you're to be conformed into his image. And then last week, we talked about your DNA. Are you a disciple? Are you, letter D, are you well-nourished, letter N, letter A? Do you have on the full armor of God? Well, today we're gonna start with a little game, and without letting my wife know, she's gonna participate today. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? Why don't you stand up, would you please? Right, come over, come down front here. She has this, this deer in the headlight look. Turn around, face that way. We're going to play a game. We're going to play a game together, okay? Everybody, this is my wife. This is Cheryl. Everybody say hey. Hey, hey Cheryl. All right, so uh, the, ch- the child's game of hot and cold. We play this with the grand- oh, yeah, yeah, grandkids. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play this, okay? So I, I'm thinking of something in this room, mm-hmm. and I'd like you to find that, okay? I know, but I think you've got to tell me what it is. No. You have to move around. Then I say hot and cold. Do you know how the game is played? Yeah. Okay, we'll begin to move, and I'll tell you whether or not you're hot or cold. Well, you're getting cold. You're getting warmer. Getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're hot. What am I looking for? I don't know, baby. You have to find it. You'll know when you're getting super hot. No. No, you're, no, it's cold. Warmer, warmer, warmer. <gasps> Burning on fire hot. Very good, Cheryl. <laughs> right. What is the game? The game is based, the game is based on proximity. How close you are to something. And the closer you get, the hotter you get. That's how the game is played. So with that in mind, I want to turn to the book of Leviticus for a moment and look at verse number 12 out of chapter 6. It says, the fire in the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest, which in the New Testament would be us, is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and, the burnt of the, and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. Verse 13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously, and it must not go out. If you're like me, uh, or most three-year-olds, that's generally followed with why? 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 Why is that? I mean, we're not continually making sacrifices, 
the priests are working their nine to five, but the fire has to be going at two o'clock in the morning. The fire has to be going at four o'clock in the morning. The fire cannot go out on the altar. Why is that? Well, let me digress just for a second and say, uh, we don't have to know why. That's just what God desires. Hello? Yes. It's just his preference. Yes. So we do it because it's his preference. We don't have to know why. We just says do that. It's what I prefer, not to let the fire go out on the altar. And, and anybody that's married knows exactly what I'm talking about. You may not understand why your wife wants something. She may not even know why she wants something. But it's her preference. And so what do you do if you love her? You do it. So I said, why do you do that? Why do you lift your hands in church? It's his preference. Why do you shout unto God? It's his preference. Why do I know if it's his preference? He said in his word, this is what I like when you do. Lift your voice, shout, raise your hands. Shout out, it's my preference. How, how do you, okay, I, okay, we don't have to beat that dead horse now. Maybe that'll be a sermon for another time. So let's back up to this fire being kept on the altar continuously day and night. That's an Old Testament um, imagery. It's the truth. It's the revelation in the book of Leviticus. But as I said, I intimated, we are the priests in the New Testament. In fact, that's why you come to church, right? You come to minister to the Lord. That's why you're here. Not to sing karaoke, right? None of that stuff. You're here because it's his preference that you should gather together in his name, that you're the priest, and you minister to him. How do, you, how do we bring the sacrifice of praise? We lift our hands, we lift our voices, we shout, and I'm on a praise and worship sermon, and I don't want to go there. I want to come back to this sermon for a second. So in the Old Testament, the fire kept burning, right? I said in the Old Testament, the fire was supposed to be kept burning all the time. With that in mind, now listen to Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, how can you do that unless there's not a fire on the altar? Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of... Uh, see, this is why I'm kind of on the worship hobby train right now. Do not conform, that was a couple of weeks ago, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. The strength of your connection to God. The strength of your connection to God. Well, I'm already connected to God. Okay, great. I was talking to Aaron earlier. He goes, they understand, and there are people in this room today, you've been connected to God like forever, Right? You've, you've been serving the Lord forever, and you think, ah, oh, this is another connection sermon. I'm over it. I'm worn out. No, no, no. Listen up. Because I'm talking about the strength of your connection is determined, is determined by your location. Hashtag proximity to the cross. This is our first point this morning. Your proximity to the cross. Are you hot? Are you burning hot? As Cheryl showed us in the hot and cold game, how close are you in proximity to the cross will determine how strong your connection is. So we have a picture of a computer and a little Wi-Fi, a little Wi-Fi uh, router, right? Now, if Shad, if this was an acting router, Shad's signal would be stronger than your signal in the back. Not only would it be stronger, listen, it will be faster. 
How do I know? It's not because I just know this off the top of my head. I researched it. It's called the inverse square law of physics, which says that radio waves degrade over distance. Distance from the router will affect your internet speeds, meaning that the further you are from the router on Wi-Fi, the slower your speeds will be. So not only are you connected with one bar or two bars or three bars, but the closer, the closer you are, the faster your speed will be. Here's my understanding. I see Bill, Bill in the back. Hey, Bill. Bill is in the last seat in the far corner of, of the auditorium. He's 300 seats away. In our life, when we're connected, we can be at a, at a huge distance from the cross. I'm talking about the, the connectivity that you have and the fire on the altar of your life. You, you can observe the cross from a distance. Oh, there it is. There's the cross over there. Yes, I'm a Christian. Don't, can't you see it? It's right there in my life. It's, it's over there. It's over there. It's over there. My faith is over there. What I do on Sunday, it's over there. It's a destiny. It's at Cherry Hills. It's at Calvary Temple. It's at Westside. It's over there. That's, that, that's, there, there, there. There's the cross over there. Now, you have Simon. Remember Simon the Cyrene? He was from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya. Uh, a, the man who carried the cross of Jesus. And he carried the burden. Some of you have a burden, and you carry it for Jesus. That's great. Your bumper sticker, your necklace, you carry it around, pull it out when need be to show people. Then there's another level of connection besides just looking at the cross from a distance, carrying your cross. Thirdly, there was a, a, a man by the name of John the Beloved, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and they were at the foot of the cross. That's a great place to be. But it's still not the best place to be. Because the Bible says, don't look at the cross from a distance. Yes, you can carry your cross. Yes, be at the foot of the cross. But the best place to be is to be co-crucified with Christ and to be on the cross. A living sacrifice. Now, the problem with living sacrifice is they're alive. And they crawl off the altar every morning. And you've got to put it back on. And you speak to yourself, listen, that is not the best thing for me right now. Let me just tell you, just a very simple revelation. Put it into your theological makeup and ask yourself this. And this will help you in, this will help you in keeping your life pure from sin and serving him. It's a very simple question. You ask yourself, do I trust the Lord? Do I trust the Lord? That will keep you out of such a mess. Because if you answer yes, and if you go ahead and do that, it, it demonstrates that you don't trust the Lord or the consequences of the choices you're about to make. Ah, he'll let me slide. Ah, it's all good. No, do you trust the Lord to keep his word? And if you answer, yes, I trust the Lord, well, then that'll answer whether or not you should do about what you're about to do. Do I trust the Lord? Now, do I trust the Lord with my family? Do I trust the Lord with my finances? Do I trust? No, do you trust the Lord? And if you say yes, that'll, that'll be a great rudder for your life. 
So let's get back to how we perceive the cross. We can perceive it from a distance. We can carry it. We can be at the foot of it. Or we can be co-crucified. Galatians chapter 2 says it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. Co-crucified. I no longer live. Eric, that's not you. You're right. Some of the things that I do because I love Jesus, I would not do if I didn't love Jesus. I do them because I have the power and the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on my life. The life I live live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, I'm crucified. How do, here's the how-to, how do you then co-crucify, how do you crucify your flesh? How do you get on the cross? Well, you don't do it by looking at it from a distance. And you don't do it by carrying it. And you don't do it by staying at the foot of it. The only way that you can be co-crucified with Christ is that you actually get on the cross with Christ in the spirit realm. And you die to yourself, your own desires, and say, do I really trust the Lord? Well, uh, there's a Wi-Fi password for this room. What is it, Aaron? Jesus saves is our Wi-Fi password. So the Bible has given us the password on how to connect with God and to do so strongly. And it's found in James chapter four. It's where God gives us the Wi-Fi password for a reliable connection. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. I'm not going to submit to anybody. This is the land of the free because of the brave. I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps. This is a declaration of independence. No, you need somebody and you need the power of God at work in your life. So if you want a good, strong, fast connection to God, submit to him. He's the boss. He's the leader. Then resist the devil. Should I do that or shouldn't I do that? I don't, I, I've got to get away from that. Well, I'm so strong I can stay in the middle of it. Well, good for you. Good for you. But you know, if, if you hang... I knew a guy once who liked to bet on the ponies, bet on the horses. And I had a conversation with him once, and the Lord just gave me this, just this nugget of information and revelation. I'll share it with you about whatever sin that just happens to gnaw at you, and you fall back in that hole with regularity. Here it is. The best way not to bet on horses is not to go to the track. Just don't put your, I'm strong. I go down, I'm going to sit and watch the ponies all day long. Next thing you know, you're making your way over to the window. It's just a dollar, it's just five dollars, just ten dollars. The best way not to bet on horses is not to go to the track. Remember, Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. He didn't stand there and say, I'm strong enough. He said, I got to get out of here. There are circumstances, situations that aren't healthy for you, and you got to say, you know what? Because I'm submitting myself to God, and I'm fleeing, and I'm resisting evil, I just can't continue to be in this circumstance. It's not because I don't like you. It's not because I hate you. It's just not good for me. It's not healthy for me. Then verse 8, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Clean yourself up. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve Mourn and wail. What is this? This is repent. All that's about repenting. Saying, not just, oh, sorry. Sorry. But no, what I did was wrong, and now I'm going to turn my life around and believe this, and teach this, and do that. That's repentance. Physically, turning around, saying, I'm going this way, now I'm going to go that way. The, the about face uh, um, 
a military term, but it's also a change of mind. Because you've got to have a change of mind. Because you can still have a really bad attitude and be doing the right thing. You want to pretend that you're on the cross, but you're really not. So that's the Wi-Fi password. It's life on the cross, co-crucified. But, you know, Eric, that kind of preaching, you just got to let it go. It's a little harsh. It's a little hard. You know, it's, uh, uh, I feel attacked when you talk like that. And, you know, Pastor, you know, people won't come back if you, if you talk like that. We need soft words. We need, we need gentle words. We need, we, need, we need gooey, warm words. Yeah, well, the, the gospel has those words in it. The gospel has those warm, gooey words in it. But we're called to strengthen our connection with God, how? By being co-crucified. By giving up your evil fleshly desires. I know in churches all around this community and on television right now, live your best life, you're awesome, you're amazing, yes. That's one side of the pendulum swing. But if that's all you get and you never get, hey, here, get on the cross, wash your hands, repent, your mind is corrupt, Oh, I'm good. No, you're not good. You're not good. The gospel is clear. You are evil. You are broken from birth. You need his grace and his mercy, which is only transmitted to you vis-a-vis the cross. That's the only way you get it, not by reading the latest self-help book and watching the latest episode of Oprah, whoever, some other... See, this is not... This is not... This is not... This is not... Modern day church, modern day church, it's all good, it's all good, live your best life. In the church world, a buzzword, which is unfortunate in some regard, because we just adapt so many things from the world into the church when the church should be adapting things from us. And I'm all about keeping people in the church. I think it's important that if people come to church, they should remain in the church. But let me tell you, it's important not to fall into into marketing schemes. What marketing schemes? Like, you know, retention, retention. We got it. We're concerned about retention, bro. Retention, 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 retention. People come through the door. How do you get them back? Whether you're a retailer, I mean, that's huge, right? You need more than a one-time shopper. You need somebody that comes back all the time. And so this, in the retention, listen, if, if retention was our goal. We should pass out $100 bills. Mitch and Sherry, greeters on Sunday morning, I just give you a stack of hundreds. You'd be passing out Ben Franklin's every, congratulations, thanks for coming to Destiny Church. $100, $100, $100, $100. How would retention be? As good as my marketing campaign, as good as my budget can handle. There'd be those who would require 250 <laughs> Because they're well connected. Yeah. <laughs> My time is worth $250 for an hour and a half. Then we have to make a determination whether or not we'll start that ministry. I mean, if we'll give you that $250. Some people come for $40. I think we should have people that come for free. Yeah. 
because they realize that they're priests and they've come to minister to the Lord. It's not what they get. It's this consumerism. See, I just can't get away from this. There's this consumerism in the church where you think you, not you, collectively, I'm talking to other people. Where people think, you know, they come for a performance. They come and they're just voyeurs. They're just, they're at a distance. They're looking through a glass. They can take it or leave it. No. Matthew 19 kind of told us what Jesus felt about retention when he talked to the rich young ruler. Jesus says, here's what the Lord requires from you. Rich young ruler goes, "Mm, not for me. Turned and walked away. And Jesus did not chase him down. Well, the 90 and 9 and leave the one. Okay, yeah, I got that. But you don't build an entire doctrine around one example, right? If we did, then we need to take this one into consideration too. Jesus said, here's the truth. Take it or leave it. It's unvarnished. See, this is not pretty. It's not pretty at all. It's not highly varnished. It's not got abalone shell inlay. No, it's rough and not on purpose. To the hurting, to the broken, yes, yes. Jesus speaks grace. He speaks love. He pours in the oil and the wine. He brings out the nice warm comforter on the cold winter's night of your life and he wraps you up. Yes, who's that for? The lost sinner. But to self-righteous, pious Christians, Jesus always had harsh words. Jesus' most difficult words were always to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees who thought they had their stuff together. You whitewashed tomb? You brood of vipers? You stink. Who's he talking to? The sinner? No. He's talking to the church. Guess who I'm talking to today? Now, if you're broken and you don't know Jesus... Please understand, he loves you. There is a comforter and there is honey-filled words and there is life, but listen, he, he loves you so much he won't leave you alone. He says, it's time to grow up. I can't leave you in your hospital bed forever or you will atrophy. Hello. You've got to be strengthened. The strength of your connection is determined by your proximity to the cross. Your strength and the speed of that signal is determined about how close you are to the cross. So you have to make that evaluation right now. Where, where is the cross in your life? Is it central to your home, to your family? Do you talk about the cross? Do you, do you understand that, that, that you need to talk to your kids and your grandkids about the cross? The how, because it changes everything. It answers the questions, do I trust? I'm not talking about style of music. I'm not talking about lights. I'm not talking about sound system. I'm not talking about geographic location of the, I'm talking about the cross of Christ. Where is the cross in your life? Well, I'm standing at the bottom of it. It's over there. I carry my cross every, no, get on the cross. You understand? Okay. Secondly, number one is proximity to the cross. This strengthens you. The second is your proximity to the church. You knew we had to get here eventually. The strength of your connection is not only based on your closeness and proximity to the cross, but your closeness and proximity to the church. Post-COVID, the average church attendance for American Christians is one time a month. One time a month. One time a month. 
So you got boomers, you got millennials, you got Gen Zers. Boomers, 1991, since 1991, church attendance among baby boomers has declined 38%. Millennials are now two in 10. Two in 10 of millennials consider church attendance important, only 20%. Then we move to Gen Z. Americans tend to skip attending church activities regularly. 45%, almost half, say they rarely or never attend church. You wonder why the connection is weak. You wonder why our country is in the condition that it's in. Nobody's on the cross. Nobody's going to church. Nobody's connected to the body of Christ. And these numbers here, those those are terrible numbers. No, if you know anything about surveys, there's a thing called the halo effect. And the halo effect means that you think you're better than everybody else while you're taking the survey. So although you tell them, ah, yeah, I go to church three or four times, you know, I go to church two or three times a month, you only go to church once a month. It's called the halo effect. You think you're better than you are. So in surveys, on these types of surveys, particularly the ones that I read, you have to take into consideration the halo effect, which says they're lying. It's worse than that. Well, I know I should go to church, but, you know, I can be a Christian and and not go to church. Well... Again, that's true, but we don't make we don't make doctrine out of an instance, a single instance. For example, the the thief on the cross, remember, he didn't have to get baptized to go to heaven, right? So none of us should get baptized to get, and we can no, that's not that's not how we make doctrine, right? From that single thing. So the same it's a, well well you can be married and not live in the same house, but your connection's not going to be very strong. You can be a Christian and not go to church, but we're not going to make a doctrine out of that because you can be married and not live in the same house. But that strength of that connection is going to be horrible. So, strength of connection is based on proximity. Proximity to the source. First is the cross. Second is the church. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, I tell you uh, that you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, what I want you to see about this particular scripture is that when Jesus is talking about Peter and he says, great confession that I am the Christ, that's wonderful, Peter greater. And upon that confession, I'm going to build up Christians. That's not what he says. He says, I'm going to build the church. This is how important the church is to Jesus. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on some thin ice here, particularly for those of you watching by television and those of you view, viewing online. And that is, you've got to be connected to the local church. You, you can watch all those TV preachers. At, you can call Rod Parsley, Joel Osteen, Andy Stanley, T.D. Jakes, You can call it your church and call it your pastor, but when you're dying, you call up T.D. Jakes to see if he's going to come visit you. You call up T.D. Jakes. You call up up Benny Hinn to see if he's going to come visit you. I got people. I got people who watch this television program. People that watch online. They consider this their church. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this. But this really needs to be the place where you gather. Right? Because 
we say iron sharpens iron, right? But if your iron is in Decatur and this iron is in Springfield, there's not going to be much of a rub happening there. And really, you like it that way because there is no rub in your life. You can just get up and turn me off. Right? And you just may have just turned me off. You're getting up right now to go across the room to turn me off. But guess what? These people can't. They're here in this room to be rubbed against a very rough, hewn piece of wood. Talking about the local church. We invite you in. We point you to Jesus. We encourage you in your faith. They can do that online, but they cannot live life together with you in the trenches. Talk to you later. Bye, bye, bye. Log off. And then the cross goes way over there. And the church is way over there. Okay. I'm going to give you four more and then we'll let you go home today, okay? Maybe. Four more good reasons. Here they are. I love, I love to sail. I love to boat. I love to be out on the water. A good sound boat. It's wonderful. Find yourself a nice, quiet cove on a lake. Lake Springfield. Lake Shelbyville. Pick the lake of your choice. Find the nice, quiet cove. Just a place of peace. Your boat is sound. You have a very, the integrity of your life is good. But now you just find this cove. But here's the deal. You don't have an anchor. You know what's going to happen to that boat that's sitting in a nice, quiet little cove? Eventually, it's going to wobble. It's going to make its way out of that cove. It's going to get out somewhere where the water is rough, and it's going to be shipwrecked. That's the condition of some people's lives. Because they didn't have an anchor. They had a beautiful boat. They had a beautiful marriage. They had a beautiful home. They had a beautiful house. They had a great job. They didn't have an anchor. And they found some little cove called the, their job with their little bank account and their neighbors and their friends. And it was great. They found a little cove. And it was, they, 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 they found that cove when they were about 35 or 40. And that's a great little cove right here. This is kind of our, our, our thing. But you never set down an anchor. Know what's going to happen? The winds will blow. Not they might, they will blow. So number one, we tend to drift spiritually when we're not connected relationally. That's the truth. Write it down. We tend to drift spiritually when we're not connected relationally. If I'm not connected relationally to my wife, I am going to drift from her and I will find some other cove because I'm not anchored. I am anchored to you. Right? You have to do the same in the spirit realm. We pray it, don't we? Lead us not into temptation. Right? How does that happen? How do we avoid being shipwrecked? Take it from somebody who likes to be on a boat in big water and enjoying all that. You know one of the best ways not to wreck your boat? Sail with someone who's been on that water before. They'll say, you know what? You see that point? That point comes all the way out. Well, you can't see it right now, but that point comes all the way out into this water. If you cut that corner too short, you're going to rip the bottom of your boat right out. I've done it, so don't do it. 
You sail with people who have been in those waters before. And how do you do that? You find people in the local church. That's where you find us. We are, we are not perfect. But some of us have sailed the waters before. Secondly, Christianity was never intended to be done alone. We all need a little help sometime. You ever heard the phrase? You ever heard this this phrase? You ever heard this phrase? No man is an island. You ever heard that phrase? You know where that phrase came from? A preacher. You know when? Before the Reformation, back in the 15th century, back in the 1400s, his name is John Doan, and the full quote from his sermon goes like this. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is less. So no man is an island. You're actually part of something larger. And if you're not here, we're less because you're not here. You've got to be partnered up. As a certified scuba diver, I've never scuba dived by myself. You have to dive with somebody else. You don't have to. You can certainly go dive by yourself if you want to. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to be married and live in the same house. But if you've ever been 60 feet underwater and all of a sudden your regulator freezes up or you don't have any more air, it's a good idea. You're with somebody. All of a sudden, you may not have had an argument with them up on the surface just a little while ago, but now they're your buddy. You need that person. It boils down to this. You need help. We all need help in our life. And not just on moving day. Everybody. Right? Pivot. Pivot. Right? Right? You can pack your whole house up, but when it comes time for the couch... You call him Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> hey, Pastor Jeremy, you got any connect group leaders that can help me out? And he says, well, how come you aren't in a connect group? You should call them. Yeah. Hey, Pastor, I need help moving. Well, what connect group do you go to? Gosh, that went over like a Led Zeppelin, didn't it? <laughs> Pastor, I love that church. I'm only, connect, I'm only close enough in proximity to call it my church. I don't want to be in the middle of that church where it's all messy and everything. But when I need help, you need to help me. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Is that how this works? I don't think so. You need friends. Yeah. That'll help you carry the overstuffed couch of your life. Yeah. Enough said? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Number three. Our shared gifts and talents and resources make us stronger together. We have different, everybody say different. Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts. Hannah's gifts are different than mine. David's are different than mine. Cheryl's are different than mine. Diane, the wonder painter over over at the Dream Center. Thank you, Diane. And, And others over there painting gifts 
talents, everybody contributing, says, we all have different gifts according to the grace that God's given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to his faith. If it's serving, then let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach, encouraging, encourage, contribute to the needs of others, give to a gentle leadership, do it diligently, showing mercy, and so on and so forth. We need you. When you're not here, when you're not here, I'm talking to people by television, and I'm talking to people on the internet, I'm talking to those of you that come once every four weeks. When you're not here, we are less because you're not here. You haven't brought your gift. You're a priest, and you're to bring your gift of worship. One of the best things we've done as a team, and I'm looking at uh, Pastor Ryan over there because he's just so different than me is uh, we, we employ uh, a test amongst us called the APEST A-P-E-S-T Apostle, Evangelist, Prophet, Pastor and Teacher and you find out what your primary gifts are now I'm not talking watch, watch please, please somebody just turned, tuned out I just need you to, to stay with me long enough to understand that when I talk about these, these archetypes these gifts Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher that they, are, they are archetypes for all people they're just not for ministry people of course there are the gifts but there's also the anointings and all of you have one of those as your primary anointing your primary pa- you're primarily pastoral how are you? You doing okay? Is it too hot in here? Is it too cold in here? Should I bring you some lunch? Are you doing all right? Do I, can I cut your grass for you? What, what can I do to help you? Your, your, your primary gift is pastoral. Some of you are prophetic. Some of you are evangelistic. Some, the guy that sells cars at Green Hyundai, and he's the best car salesman there, I just met him a couple days ago because um, I was tinkering on the edges of replacing old yeller because she got 225,000 miles. I know it's sad, it's sad, it makes me sad. Makes me, but it's still running, so I'm not going to get one until it dies. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So watch. Well, your pastor, he drives that old nasty blue, yellow truck. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I save hundreds of dollars every month because I do. All right, so all right. But, but that salesman, primary gift of his evangelism primary gift salesmen primarily are evangelists for their company for their product all right and then teachers those are concerned in the detail and want to educate and so on and so forth so this applies to all of us when you realize what your sweet spot is you bring your anointing your gift to this place i'll tell you what how strong the church becomes but when you don't bring your gift and you don't understand your gift it's a struggle for the body of christ to be all she should be if a you don't know who you are and b you don't bring it <laughs> that's, that's, that is the living metaphor of the church potluck. Now, I think we've, we have not had a potluck in this building since we've been in this building. But after we get done renovating the two uh, rooms upstairs for education this fall, and we finish paying for the Dream Center, which is all going to happen before the snow flies, then we start on the fellowship hall underneath here. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to try to put some restrooms down there. And, and we're going to need your expertise and all that kind of stuff in helping us get that done. And we'll have a potluck. But the beautiful metaphor of the potluck is you show up and there's things that you had no idea. There they all are right before you. Spread out in front of you. Like, wow. Right? And so-and-so makes this 
enchilada and so-and-so makes spaghetti and so-and-so makes, you know, uh, um, what's the, what's the, I said spaghetti, I said, so I've got Italians, I've got the, I've got the Mexicans covered, I, uh, uh, what's the, um, hold on, it's, it's right there, uh, uh, did somebody say like kielbasa? We got the Polish covered then? All right, what else? No, 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 I'm thinking about the, the thin dessert of the Middle East. Baklava. Baklava, right? Honey and pistachios and all of that. I mean, that's the, that is what we are as a metaphor when we come together on Sunday morning. We're a smorgasbord. Now, if that doesn't float your boat, I have a better analogy for you. I have a better analogy because sometimes the stuff at the smorgasbord can be a little... You know what I'm saying? So you can erase if you don't if you don't feel that, let's go with this one. You're a superhero. You're a superhero. Now you may be Marvel, you may be an Avenger, you may be DC comic. I don't know what your mojo is, as long as Wonder Woman's in the middle of it. And Superman. And then you got then you got Captain America. You got Oh, now look here. This is an interesting chart. It's too detailed for you to really under, to see it, it at. But they have all these superheroes down the sides, and then they have the major, the major gifts that these people have. But here's the thing. Flash doesn't, can't do what Superman does. And the Green Lantern can't do what the Hornet does. And I'm, I'm not really averse to all these people. But you don't understand what I'm saying. That, that, that they don't... There may be some gifts that overlap, but they aren't the same. That's why they're different. And that's why we need them all. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Okay, then I'll finish up with this. The last one. Remember this. The arm, it's profound, but the arm is not the body. That means you are not the church. You were sold a bill of, a, a bill of goods when they said, oh, you're the church. No, you're not the church. We, I'll try it again. You're not the church. You are not the church. If there's a disembodied arm laying on this platform, that's not a body. That's an arm. If I plop out my eyeball, leave it lay right here, then they go, oh, look at that body. No, look at that eyeball. So the arm is not the body. Together, we are the body. Romans 12. Each of us has a body with many parts. And these parts do not all have the same function. So likewise in Christ. Romans 12, 4 and 5. So likewise in Christ, we who are many form one body. The eyeball may not like the hand. Eyeball doesn't look like, look like, look, doesn't like how the hand looks. Doesn't like how the hand acts. The eyeball goes, ah, I have no need of you. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. 
Oh, and my gift is not very big. My gift is not very important. Nobody sees my gift. I'm only the lungs. I'm only the liver. Try living without a liver. Not very pretty. It's hidden away on the inside. Nobody goes around saying, man, I got a great liver. (laughs) Now here, let let me just tell you this. There's a lot of pieces and parts we can live without. If you cut off my arm, I can still live. If you don't show up, I cut off the arm, we can still live. Pluck out both my, be blind. Lose my nose, taste the smell. Lose my eyes. Cut off my feet. Cut off a whole bunch of body parts. The body of Christ, listen to me. The body of Christ can still function on Sunday morning, but we are not living up to our greatest potential because you're not here. Because you have devalued your own gift. I don't do much. I don't do much. You know how important it is to have these guys driving the bus for us on Sunday morning? That's important. No one's walking around patting them on the back all the time. Great job, great job, great job. But we need them. Right now, nursery, child care, children's church. You notice the carpet's clean? Yeah. How's that all happen? People bring their gifts, do their stuff. Verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that it's all parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. Because each of us is only a part of the body. We can function without you, but we won't be living to our fullest potential as the body of Christ. Could that be one of the problems with the strength of the church in society today? So let's just say it like this. Back to our our supermodel, our superhero model, which is that the church needs you. We need you to be a superhero. Well, I'm not Captain America, and I'm not Wonder Woman. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do all the superhero jobs. Just do your superhero job. There's no perfection here. Only beautiful versions of brokenness. There is no perfection here. And anybody that holds himself up as the paradigm, be careful. You ever bought furniture from Ikea? Or Big Lots? <laughs> or, yes, 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 Big Lots. <laughs> yes. Ikea, no, that's in Chicago. That's too far to go. To get furniture, you have to assemble yourself. Anybody old enough to remember when furniture was already assembled when you bought it? Anybody? Hallelujah. The good old days. But now you can't buy a piece of furniture. And, and, and you know what's terrible? Is when you get done and you still have a handful of screws. You go, hmm. Hmm. I used to throw them away. 
Then I had to go back in the garbage. A couple days later, when I realized something wasn't put together right. Now I save them all in a Ziploc baggie down on the workbench. Because you'll eventually find the spot that that's supposed to go to. Every piece is important. Don't believe the lie that says you're not important. You are important. You're more important than you realize. I want you to, I want you to hear this amazing fact. Are you ready? <laughs> I love this fact. You ready? It works 99% of the time. What are you talking about? It works 99% of the time. See, you're absolutely clueless. You know why? Facts are only important when they're connected to another. Disassociated, unconnected facts are immaterial and they're irrelevant. That's why you think you're unimportant. You're not connected to anybody else. When you get connected to somebody else and they're in your life, in a connect group, in church, you get connected to somebody in life in general, you're gonna find out that you are a fact and that fact is important. Unassociated facts are irrelevant. It works 99% of the time. What, what does? What do you mean? What do you mean? It what? What? Exactly. Exactly. Paul tells us how important connection is and association. When people come, listen, in the Bible, and it happens, should happen today in the church. It doesn't with great regularity, but it does in this church. But in the Bible, someone would come because you didn't have, you didn't have uh, the internet, you didn't have telephones, you didn't have a way to radio on ahead that, that so-and-so is coming to your town to be a proud. Paul, I'm Paul, and I'm sending, I'm sending Becky on to Chatham to go, be, to go minister down there. Okay, she gets there, and what does that church ask for? They say, show us your letters. Who are you connected to? Let's check your strength of connection. Do, you know, we talk about references today. This is how it was back in the day. Paul says, listen, you gotta be connected. You just, these teachers in Bible time would show up and say, here we are, we're gonna give you this revelation. Everybody, you should immediately go, who are you connected to? Who are you responsible to? Who do you answer to? Who are you submitted to? Right? This is what's crazy, you know, and I'll just, I'll just tell it like it is. When some fly-by-night preacher comes to town and sets up shop down at the Crown Plaza, and people go, oh, so-and-so, fill in the blank. So-and-so is here. Oh, it's great. There's signs and wonders. It's blah, blah. Wonderful. You know what my first question is? Who is it? Who are they connected to? Who are they responsible to? Who sent them? Did they just, did they just come here? Why are they here? You know, those are the important things, right? If you if if you got a brain between your ears, if I just hand you, if I, <laughs> no 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 no, <laughs> don't drink everything that looks like Kool Aid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to our thesis because you got to go home. The strength of your connection is based on proximity to the source. Yes or no? Say yes. Spiritually speaking, we're talking about connectivity to the cross. Naturally, we're talking about connectivity to the church. Wireless fidelity, wireless fidelity, the faithfulness to obligation and duty. 
Faithfulness to obligation and duty. He didn't come to... You came to hear the truth, and the truth is this. You've got to get connected, and it's got to be a strong connection to the cross. First of all, if you're not loving, serving Jesus, and asking yourself regularly, do I trust him before you go about doing whatever it is you're going to do? Before you buy that house, before you move, before you change your job, before you whatever, do I trust him? Because he's going to tell you something, and you're going to go, that sounds crazy. I don't know that I should do that. That sounds a little far-fetched. That sounds a little out there. And God says, well, do you trust me? Okay, now here we go. Well, you better know that you know, because there will be trouble, and your boat will drift out into the open sea unless you've got a strong anchor. Are you tracking okay with me? All right, stand up with me, because I'm going to close this in prayer. And my last, my, my last prayer, my last prayer for you is that you identify your superpower. Identify your superpower. Black Panther's not trying to be Superman. And the Green Lantern isn't trying to be, what's the guy with the lightning bolt? flash find your sweet spot bring your gift as a priest to worship the Lord be a part and when you discover what that is wow you find a you find you find a piece of belonging that that is powerful so Lord we just bow our hearts today and ask first that you would do an assessment of the closeness and proximity of our hearts to yours, to the cross. The Lord says, get on the cross. Stop hanging around the cross. Stop looking at the cross from a distance. Go ahead. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. He's hanging around the edges of your life. Get on the cross. He can't stand it. How do you do that? Well, you just open the door of your heart. You say, Lord, come on into my life. Rule and reign inside of my life. Change my desires. Help me by the power of your spirit. If that's your prayer, then you're on the right journey. You're on the right path. A new life. So what do I do and where do I go? Well, you get yourself connected to church. Yeah, you can supplement church with online and podcasts and TV shows and TV preachers. But at the end of the day, you need to be connected to a local body. People that will live life with you in the trenches and be there to help you move a couch. Thank you, Lord, for your church. We repent trying to do it ourselves. We, we admit wholeheartedly how weak we are without others in our lives. So thank you, Father, for the gift of connectedness. Thank you that each of us belong as a part of this body. You're the king of our life. Rule and reign, not just today, but every day this coming week, should you tarry. And should you return before we gather again, may your grace be upon us that we'd all gather again around the throne. And now may the peace of God Guard your heart and mind, protect you and keep you, provide supernaturally for you in every way. 
and lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And everybody said, amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.